Hello and welcome to another edition of Chamber Amplified, a podcast from the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. I'm Doug Jenkins. Each week we're doing a couple of things. One, trying to bring you the latest business news and how you might apply it to your place of work, whether it's marketing, it's employee retention. Today we're talking about setting prices. Should you raise them? Should they stay put? We're going to get into that in just a little bit. Also each week we're highlighting long-term members of the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber and telling you their stories. We have some very interesting businesses in Findlay and Hancock County. They've got some great stories to tell, so we're happy to be able to provide an outlet for those. One thing we're going to do this week, I'm going to stop saying interesting so much. I know I've already said it twice now, but we're going to try and limit it to like under five. I think I said it about 30 times last week and drove myself nuts. So that's the goal. We're setting the line, trying to get under five this week. Count along with me, if you will. I do want to thank everybody who has subscribed to the podcast. The numbers continue to go up, and we are now the proud owners of not one, but two five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, so thank you for that. And Be sure to uh, rate us if you're able to on Apple Podcasts. I think you can even do it on Spotify now as well, so that's a great way to help support the podcast to make sure that more people are hearing these stories. I'd call them interesting, but I'm not saying that word anymore. Let's get into it. We're joined first by Scott Gray from Scott A. Gray Consulting talking about the pushback against rising prices, or is there actually a pushback? We'll be talking to him a little bit later. Eric Medcalf from RPM Carbide Die will join us. We'll learn all about their story, how they came from the Motor City to Arcadia, and how they're also in space right now. The details on that are coming up. First, let's talk to Scott. And welcoming into Chamber Amplified, Scott Gray of Scott A. Gray Consulting as we talk about prices and what they've been doing and what businesses need to be being mindful of when it comes to setting prices as uh, certainly inflation and a whole host of other factors are certainly big issues that we're dealing with, not just locally, but all across the nation. Scott has some thoughts on that. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show, Doug. I appreciate it. Pleased to be here. Hopefully, I can share uh, some ideas, experience, stories uh, with you and the rest of the listening audience. So, um, first yeah, off, uh, yeah, just just want to say I'm not an expert in economics. I love it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazingly, <laughs> but not being an expert, have a lot of experience as a business owner and a great printing company working with. Uh, Oh, over over 15 businesses at a time with six disciplines and six disciplines consulting. And this covers the basis from nonprofit to manufacturing to service, um, you know, and then finally uh, with Centricom uh, representing them. I'm an independent consultant, so representing cybersecurity. So we're going to be talking about pricing i'll let you lead the interview here shortly <laughs> got a wealth of experience on all sorts of things here uh so, uh, so i it's it's good to be able to sit down and talk about a variety of different issues that are impacting our members the one that yeah. keeps coming up and i and i scott i read an interesting article about this i think it was in the new york times about a month ago uh was about we're starting to see some consumer pushback to rising prices Whereas people had pretty much just kept buying things, even as prices were going up. Now, maybe we're not seeing that as much. And I'm curious to maybe see what you've seen on your end. <laughs> I disagree. Okay. Uh, in some respect. <laughs> <laughs> so just to start a conversation, you know, it's, it's economics 101. 
supply versus demand. Mm-hmm. And we'll get back to it. I mean, gasoline prices, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, is, is the demand still what it was? Who knows? Six months, year, two year, wherever. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. <laughs> so when supply goes down, prices are going to go up. That's the theory of economics. Right. Uh, secondly, is it need versus want? And yeah, we, we need gasoline. Do we want it all the time? Well, I mean, it, it's hitting four bucks a barrel or a, a gallon and we're buying it. I mean, people are not stopped filling up their cars. And then finally, with this whole pricing uh, equation is what's your cost and marketplace competition sets, uh, sets the price. So <laughs> got to take all those factors into consideration. Well, there's, and there's a lot to consider there. And to your point, uh, the demand will just, you know, we'll talk about gasoline. Like you said, you know, the traveling that we're seeing is not solely work related, which I think a lot of people think that people scale back and only do, you know, travel bare minimum when prices are like this. People are still going to all sorts oh. of things for a leisure standpoint, even though the prices are up. So to your point, yep. the demand is, is still right there. Yep. Yeah. Quick, short story and I'll get on. But, you know, <laughs> I was filling up with gas. Uh, I'll mention their name out of Kroger's and uh, filling up the tank. And they had one of these big tanker trucks out there. Mm-hmm. You know how many gallons of gas a tanker truck has? At least three. <laughs> 80,000 gallons. I walked over to this guy and he's like putting put the gas, you know, how they do it in the ground or in the mm-hmm. field, whatever. 80,000 uh, gallons of gas. And I said, You must make this trip, what, once a week, once a month? He said, I make it every day. Wow. Every day. Okay. So <laughs> people are still in demand of gasoline for a period of time. And that really illustrates the point to your other point about your competition locally helping <laughs> set the price point. I think that also speaks to people are going to pay kind of whatever the market rate is. And they're still, they're still continuing to do that, I guess, is the overall point is that maybe we're not seeing as much pushback as the, the article had made it seem, or you know, that, that people are still willing to make those expenditures. If it's something that people want, right? You know, if they need, then you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I want a cup of coffee at Coffee Amici. <laughs> okay, as much for a cup of coffee as I am for a for a gallon of gas. But I like the atmosphere. They have a brand, and that's kind of kind of a want more than a need. I can make my own coffee at home. So, but you know, there, there's. Uh, factors to be considered accordingly you're buying the wrong coffee there man you got to get the you get a medium americano with cream it's like 250 <laughs> that's low that's lower than a, ga- a gallon of gas right now <laughs> right. that's but that's just an example so that's my go-to so let's let's dig into the the price points I, let's maybe start from the standpoint of a restaurant i think uh, we, we have a lot of restaurants that are members certainly they're the ones who they're one of the industries that are dealing with price inputs that are changing almost on a daily basis 
What are the factors they should consider before raising prices? Well, uh, good question. Obviously, uh, they have costs of materials, just like any business does. Cost of uh, food, cost of labor, uh, health care for their employees. So, geez, look at even now, you know, McDonald's is what, 15 or 12.50 an hour, 15 bucks an hour. Even uh, more in some instances. Yeah, and have to factor that into play. But again, competition sets pricing. So if I were a restaurant owner and I've coached and consulted with, with business owners, you know, do do a marketplace study. In other words, go to different restaurants. If if I'm an owner of a business and I'm selling soup, I want to go to different restaurants selling soup. Mm -hmm. What are they pricing it at? And help because everybody wants a bowl of soup, maybe. Right. <laughs> or or well, when the weather's like this on the day that we're recording it, it's rainy and 50 some degrees you. out. Soup sounds all right. <laughs> I hear you. And uh, what's the competition at? And take some time to research what the competitors are doing and you know what they're 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 charging customers. And, you know, if you have a certain kind of soup and it's perfect and people are going to come, boy, don't change the price. You know, mm -hmm. if there's a brand on it, if I don't know, you're getting it out of a bag and, you know, you're, and it's just part of the menu. Okay. I don't know how much you can charge additional. So, so I'm looking at branding here now and okay. why people come to the restaurant and what's your cost for soup. What's your cost for making it? What's the cost uh, for employees to serve it? And then price it. You can't necessarily reduce the price of your product. Right. Uh, low cost. Unless, unless you want want to try to drive more traffic. Well, yeah, that kind of like a, going back to the gas prices, but sometimes you'll see a gas price for develop and and you know, you'll get those long lines, but to more to, to what you were talking about there, it seems like there's a couple different ways you could do it. I think reducing prices in this environment is certainly very difficult to do again, unless you're trying to drive more people in and make up the cost that way. But if you do the market study, like you said, you can see, okay, maybe we're okay to keep our price where it is. Cause that's kind of in line where the, this product price is, or if your competition is charging more for their product, You've got two different avenues you can take. You could one leave it your price and advertise that that you're you know you get better get better prices, or two you could raise your prices a little bit to be kind of in line with whatever the market's supporting right now. Just like gas stations. There you go. <laughs> All right. I didn't know so, that. I didn't think that we would use gas as a metaphor for soup or soup as a metaphor for gas or whatever we just did. Well, but <laughs> I, I it, it makes it, sense. It hits all of us. So we're going to pause right there with our interview with Scott Gray as we have a lot of information about this. We kind of talked about restaurants and certainly there's fluctuating price points there. But in the second part of our interview, which you'll hear next week, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about price, in points, uh, price input points for manufacturers and for people who are doing work in those types of fields. So that will be coming up next week. 
Also want to remind you, there's still time to sign up for the Women's Leadership Forum coming up on April 13th. Of course, if you're listening to this after April 13th, this doesn't apply to you. But if you're subscribing to the podcast and getting it on Friday mornings, like you should be, well, then this is still coming up, something you can sign up for. It's coming up April 13th. It'll be at the Findlay Country Club. The main speaker will be Kristen Day from Whirlpool. Uh, The focus will be on a few different points. The one that I think really stands out, though, It takes time for you to develop those leadership skills and for your plan to be put in place. Uh, This will be, uh, there's like more than 100 people signed up for this already. Don't miss out. You can sign up on our website right now, FindlayHancockChamber.com. Always, always a very popular event each year on our Chamber of Commerce calendar. Don't want you to miss it. Again, go to FindlayHancockChamber.com. So again, Scott Gray, second part of that interview coming up next week in Chamber Amplified. Right now, though, we're learning more about our long-term members And this week, we're talking to RPM Carbide Dye's Eric Medcalf about their history. And back on Chamber Amplified, we're joined now by Eric Medcalf of RPM Carbide Dye. They have been members at the Chamber for almost 35 years now. The business itself celebrating its 55th year in operation. Eric, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. This is one of becoming one of my favorite things to do every week is to talk to our members, especially uh, when it's a business that people may not know about, but you guys do a ton of things around here. Uh, but when people think of RBM Carbide Dye, what should they know about? What what does RB, RPM Carbide do? We're a precision tool and dye shop. Uh, we service a number of industries, everything from automotive to aerospace, uh, packaging, food food and beverage packaging people, defense, uh, even some uh, medical work as well. That's, I have to imagine, and, and we'll get into the history of the business, but just from you know my knowledge of everything that's happened over the last 20 years, working in that automotive space has to have been interesting uh, over the last 20 years or so with, uh, with first the recession and now all the cars are going electric and everything in between. It's, it's certainly been uh, uh, an odd space to work in, but I think an interesting space to work in. It's always been a challenge. I mean, that's what we cut our teeth on back in the late 60s. We got our start in the automotive field, of course, being up in the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always been interesting. And a lot of evolution and revolution over the years. Uh, but part of ours, probably 20 to 30 years ago, we started uh, moving away from being so dominated by the auto industry, which is what took us and spread us into other industries. Uh, now, uh, like in the 2008 recession, we saw automotive obviously take a big hit. Air, uh, aerospace work actually came to almost a stop. Mm-hmm. People weren't buying airplanes anymore. Uh, and But we were still... Uh, fighting two wars. So our defense work was was booming. Uh, during a recession, people tend to eat home more. So our food uh, packaging, food and beverage packaging business was up. So uh, by staying spread out over a number of industries, it allows us to kind of ride out the ups and downs of the economy. You know, not very, we've never seen all of our customers uh, down at one time. It's well, that's I mean, that speaks to why it's so important to diversify the portfolio, so to speak, and, and have those other buckets to draw from. I have to imagine, though, it's not uh, it's not an easy task when you're when you're talking about precision manufacturing 
you're not doing a ton of line work. So swapping out and maybe focusing on one area as opposed to another, what, what does that process look like? Well, it's, it, it is very diverse from one, one industry to another. Uh, certain industries, we are making tooling. So like mm-hmm. for the auto industry, we might make uh, a handful of dies, uh, each die making millions of parts you know, for our automotive customers. Uh, when we're talking aerospace, we're talking about making actually parts, parts that would go into a satellite, into a missile system, into an airplane, something like that. So we're, we might be talking about making hundreds or even thousands of little precision parts. So sometimes we're making parts, sometimes we're making tools. Uh, each has its own unique uh, characteristics and, and what have you. But the common thread for us is the fact that they are all high precision type parts. They're tight tolerance, uh, high value, that type of thing, whether it's the tool or whether it's a, a part going into a component or, or onto a, uh, a mission of some kind. That is very cool. So the bottom line, if I'm reading you right, is there could be a satellite orbiting right now with parts made right here in Arcadia, Ohio. Oh, certainly. certainly. That is, I don't think a lot of people know that. As is, uh, there are uh, Aegis cruisers uh, probably sitting off the coast of uh, North Korea or mm-hmm. maybe in the Black Sea right now that have missile systems on them that we have uh, guidance systems and fuel, fuel systems with pieces and parts that we've manufactured. That's amazing. That's uh, it just goes to show the work that RPM Carbide Dye does to be involved in those industries. You don't just start up the business and like, oh yeah, hey, we're a defense contractor now. That takes uh, years of, of being able to show results to be able to do. Let's talk about the history of RPM. It, like, like you said, it got started in the Detroit area. How did it come to Arcadia? We were in Detroit in 1967. Uh, we spent our first couple of years in business there. Uh, at that time, uh, Detroit was going through race riots. And uh, there was a lot of stories about how Detroit was burning and what have you. There was a lot of unrest and we were right down in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. uh, in, in those days, uh, the, the business was started by my father and that's where he learned his trade was in the Detroit area. So that was why the business started there. And uh, but in those days he would have to carry a gun to and from work with him and the Door to the business would be locked during the day. The windows were all barred and boarded. When somebody would knock on the door, there was no way to know who was on the other side of the door. So he would answer the door with one hand on the door and one hand on his gun. Oh, jeez. So we lived in that environment. Uh, my early childhood memories of it, I was about the height of a workbench. And okay. When my dad would get to work, he would take his revolver off his belt and he would lay it on that workbench next to the door. And I was about that tall and I can still close my eyes. I can still see that gun laying there on the workbench. cow. And that was just, you know, that was the how we lived, you know. Okay. And, uh, um, so uh, we went from living that kind of lifestyle to uh, moving down here to Arcadia where uh, you know, there's some days that we forget to take the keys out of the company truck and it's still there in the morning. Uh, we have most of our customers are Fortune 500 companies, global companies. When they come to visit us, of course, the standing joke is that we're out here in the middle of our cornfield. 
I like to point out to them that, you know, in a hundred mile radius, I can be in half a dozen major metropolitan areas from Detroit to Cleveland to Columbus, Fort Wayne, you know, Dayton, even, even Toledo, of course, uh, you know, so an hour and a half drive, I can yeah. be in any, about any major city. I can have anything that I need here. And yet I can live here where it's quiet, a good place to raise a family, what have you, good quality of life. So to me, it's, it, you know, it's a win-win. And right. when you live in, you live in a big city, it, it, it's nothing for an hour drive just to get you across town. So that's true. I think our quality of life here in Hancock County is very good. And, like I say, hour, hour and a half, you can get to just about anything you need anyway. So, well, absolutely. And as far as you know, getting your products to where they need to be, that's just by truck. You can get to ports in about that same amount of time too, and, and be yep. wherever you need to be in the world. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's, it, you know, I think we've got kind of the best of both worlds here. We can live in a nice, quiet, safe environment, good place to raise a family. And yet, you know, we don't really want for anything. We can get our hands on whatever we need yeah. in a relatively short period of time. Absolutely. When it comes to uh, to working at RPM Carbide Dye, you're doing precision manufacturing. So I imagine there's a lot of training that goes into it. Uh, yep. A lot of, uh, po- you know, you, you're continuing to educate yourself about these things as it goes on. What type of what type of person works at RPI, RPM? Uh, you know, toolmakers tend to be very, um, I don't know, some people will describe us as being prima donnas, you know, <laughs> you're a perfectionist, um, uh, maybe a pain in the butt type <laughs> person, uh, because you're just so demanding, you know, you demand a lot out of, out of yourself, out of the people around you. Uh, we work to very exacting tolerances with very little room for error. So I, I think it tends to uh, you know, make you kind of that way. Uh, you've got to be a perfectionist and, um, you know, it's, uh, you got to have a little bit of an ego comes down to, uh, because, you know, we're, we're doing what's next to impossible and people are asking for stuff to be, uh, more precise all the time, you know? And so there's always a new challenge. Most definitely. If somebody, has that uh, they're a perfectionist with a little bit of an ego, but maybe they're uh, maybe they're 18 and they're looking at that career path. What's uh, what does that look like? How do they get into this field? Well, that's most, most of our folks here have been trained here. A lot of them started as 18, 19 year old kids right out of high school. And uh, you know, with 55 years in business, we have a lot of them now that are over the 40 year mark and we're starting to actually turn over our staff to retirement. So for, a period of years we had very low turnover and we were blessed that way. And now we're, we're reaching a point in our lifespan here where we're starting to turn over our staff just simply through retirement. So, you know, it's been a very stable place to work. And, and uh, like I say, most of the people that have come to us have come to us and been trained here. And the, the training is a, a, it is like a college education. I tell people Mm -hmm. it takes uh, four to five years to get, proficient at the trade. That doesn't mean that you know everything by any means, because I've been in this for over 40 years myself, and I'm still learning something every day. Day doesn't go by that I don't have an opportunity to learn something new, which uh, I think is one of the things that, that keeps me motivated. Well, I think it's 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 a great story. I don't think people realize the connection to Detroit. I don't think people realize the connection to the aerospace industry 
in the defense industry. So I'm happy we're able to, to tell your story. If people want to learn more about RPM, uh, where can they go? Well, you can obviously, you can go to our website. We're out there at rpmprecision.com. And uh, uh, all our contact information is there. Um, they're also welcome to stop in and see us anytime here in Little Arcadia. We're always welcome visitors. Uh, we always love it when we can get folks to come in. Um, we usually try to have an open house about every five years and mm -hmm. invite in the public and what, so we can show people what we're about. We try to encourage to get um, shop classes, school classes, things like that to come in and visit us so we can tell our young folks what the skilled trades are all about and what have you. I think people sometimes have a, um, I don't know what their notion is of, of us and of our industry, but uh, many times after people have walked through our shop, uh, they come away and their comments, you can tell they really didn't have an idea of what we were about when they came in. I think they equate us to a modern day uh, blacksmith. That's so they, a good way of putting it. You know, they come in, they expect a, a kind of a dirty, smoky environment. They expect big, hulking men with sweat on their brows and what have you. And instead, they walk through and we've got our walls are painted white. We have a very clean environment. We're, we're temperature controlled. Um, there's computer screens everywhere. And, you know, the people you encounter, there's a lot of them that look like me with uh, gray hair and a little <laughs> bit of a belly. And at least you, you know, have hair. We're, to not, go we're not sweaty. We're not working physically hard. We're working mentally hard. <laughs> That's a very cool story, Eric. We appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully people know a little bit more about it after they hear this. Well, appreciate you uh, coming here and talking to us. That is our podcast for this week. A big thanks to Scott Gray from Scott A. Gray Consulting talking about price points and what area businesses should be doing. Uh, it's definitely eye-opening to hear that raising prices might not be the worst thing you can do right now. As long as you're transparent with your customer base, you might be okay. You might be surprised to find out that you'll be okay there. And it might make it a little bit easier to run your business right now with rising input costs. Also, big thanks to Eric Medcalf of RPM Carbide Dye, a business that started up in Detroit, now resides in Arcadia. They have parts up in space, baby. That is really cool. I did not know that before I had talked to Eric. And there are just so many stories like that around Findlay and Hancock County. That's one of the reasons why we're really excited to bring this podcast to you each and every week. So if you'll do us a favor, make sure that you subscribe on your podcast player of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything in between. We are there. We are ready for download each and every Friday morning. And uh, that'll really help get the word out about things happening in Finley and Hancock County in the business community. Until next week, I'm Doug Jenkins with the Finley Hancock County Chamber of Commerce.